You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. It was 10 years ago the Pasha Balka got grounded and most of us, all the coffee addicts were walking around with massive migraines because all the electricity was off in the city. You remember that? 10 years ago and we had church via generator. Remember that? We had to spark up a generator and just do a few acoustics. We didn't do acoustic today because of that. We did it just to do something fresh and keep us, you know, with the heart of worship, not the issue of performance, which we've talked about. These guys have a heart of worship, and their highest value is not that of the performance side, it's that of presence and connecting with Him. But we had to do, we had to do acoustic 10 years ago. No electricity. I, I can remember driving around everywhere. That was back in my coffee days. We were looking for any McDonald's open or anything just to find coffee. The headaches were horrendous, weren't they? Tim, you would have had headaches. I don't know what you boys did because you, you guys got that stuff plugged into your veins. So, anyway, how are we going, church? Hey, we're going to focus, as Earl said, on the heart of our vision, which is mission, right? Here in the middle of, of uh, Vision Month, we're going to focus on mission. And as I said earlier, it is not a program attached to the church, it's the soul of the vision, it's the heart of the Father. Victory is not a church with missions, we are a mission church. But as I said on Thursday night, we've let that kind of slip a little bit. No, no, let's be true. We let it slip a lot. We've let the fire go down to coals. And uh, I remember the day, and I don't want to keep harking back, but you couldn't worship in our auditorium without being reminded of nations because we had flags of nations all along each side, nations where somebody from our church had ministered or or we'd had connection with. And uh, I don't know when that kind of stopped and when it started going downhill and why, you know, I don't know who's to take the blame, I'll, I'll shoulder most of that, but I'm telling you, we're not going to live in that, we're going to live in a new day because God is calling us to step this up. There's no sense in talking about influencing Newcastle when you don't think beyond also. Um, I'm convinced, you know, you get to the book of Acts, and this is not part of the sermon, but you get to the book of Acts, and I'm convinced that the early church got stuck in this. I, I think I can track historically and theologically, and show you up to chapter 8, they were doing pretty good getting the gospel out in Jerusalem. Like, and, and they were facing persecution, and they were going hard at it, and they were meeting every day, and, and miracles were happening, but they had forgotten what Jesus said right before his ascension, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Stop. No, he didn't stop. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, they stopped. And, and it's like God goes, yeah, let's just stir the pot a little bit. And I believe God allowed a bit of persecution to get them stirred because in chapter 8, persecution comes on. What happens immediately? They go out preaching the gospel everywhere. Now, I remember, um, I, I don't know if uh, you guys remember an old, old statesman, I call him old, uh, for the kingdom of God, uh, J. Oswald Smith. Anybody remember him, read about him? He took over China Inland Mission after uh, Hudson Taylor, um, and he actually he had dinner at our house over at Wyala one night. He was in his 80s, 
And he said, yeah, I'm slowing down a bit. I'm only preaching about five to six times a week. And uh, just an amazing man of God. But one of the things he said uh, struck me. And he's a New Zealander by birth, but a kingdom man by heart. And he said, maybe what the West needs is just a little bit more persecution. Maybe if that's what it takes to get the West moving, then so be it. A statistic, I'd, I was going to give you this later, but I'll give it to you now. It kind of fits. I was doing some research, and this is a statistic that God used. And it's not that much different today, but God used years and years and years ago to say to me, you're willing to leave home, your people, your nation? In ministries around the world, there's four. Now, this was in 2007 through Frontier Harvest Ministries. In ministries around the world, there are 4.19 million full-time Christian workers. Wow. I mean, that's pretty big. That's bigger than the population of New Zealand. And all the Kiwis said, oh me. Right? Right? Yeah, come on. But here's the, here's the kicker. 4.19 million? Listen. 95% of that are working in the Christian world. That puts a hush over the place. 95% of the four plus million workers for the gospel who are paid full time and work full time are in Christian nations. Mm. So I think it's time we talk about it. I think it's time we say, what, what do we actually do about this in our vision? Let's go back to the scripture that underpins our vision because mission appears in that scripture, believe it or not, all the way back in Isaiah 54. The prophet said this, verse 1, chapter 54, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. The first verse speaks of faith in the promise of God for more. Do you think God wants that limited to a small group of nations? God says more. Not just one little isolated place on the planet that calls themselves my people, but the miracle is that of more, and it's grace that causes the miracle to happen. God says, I'll do this. I'll make it happen. It's a miracle because you seem to be barren and desolate, but I'm going to move in and make this happen. And there would be places in the world a lot of people would go, I just don't even want to go there. There is a theory in missions that heavily populate, heavily populate and bombard the places where it is happening. I don't know how that sits with you, Rod. But when you're talking 95%, I think something's out of balance. When God says more, he doesn't mean more in the Western world. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 3, sorry. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. There is the first hint of get out beyond your own home. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. This verse speaks of the works that accompany our faith. It's one thing to have faith in the promise of God. It's another thing to activate those promises. Listen to me. It's not enough to have a vision or to even have plans uh, uh, because for vision to become reality, it's got to turn into action or else it's not real. Verse 4 takes it a step further. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate cities inhabited. 
Bill Johnson, you've heard of, pastor of Bethel Church in America, firmly believes, deeply rooted in his heart, that we should be, we should be believing in this day for whole cities to be transformed. Not just a remnant of people in a city, but God's heart is to see a whole city transformed in Jesus' name. But you know, we step back and go, oh yeah, yeah they're not chosen. Switch your theology a little bit. Or you go, oh, you know, God doesn't mean for everybody to be saved. Why wouldn't he want everybody saved? Nations, cities. This is a global view. It's speaking to us prophetically. It's where vision takes on an expanded outlook. Expand to the right and the left. A lot of people put that up in their building when they build bigger buildings. That's not wrong. But I think God's talking beyond buildings here. Expand. The kingdom of God was never meant to be limited to one location and one people group. Never. Listen, reaching nations is the Father's plan. God's heart has always been about blessing the nation so much so that he declares to Abram, this pagan man, I will do this through you. I will bless the nations through you. It all began when he spoke to and chose this guy, Abram. Not Abraham at first, Abram. You know he's the most unlikely person in the most unlikely place at the most unlikely time. You know the history. He's a Mesopotamian. He's a pagan by background. As far as we can tell in the scriptures there, he never had any affiliation with Jehovah, not even sure he knew Jehovah, and it all begins with him. Most unlikely. He's, he's 75 years of age, he is comfortable, he is rich, he is well off, he is settled, he is taking over major property, inheriting from his father, and all of a sudden, bang, God reaches down in history and chooses him. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of feel like I'm the most unlikely person God would ever do that to. I don't really qualify, though. You know, out of my family, two brothers, I'm the one that was the homebody. I'm the one that didn't leave home. I'm the one that didn't travel far. I'm the one that didn't go anywhere beyond home borders. Lord have mercy, I've never even been as far west as California until I was flying to here. That's crazy, isn't it? I'd never been to Australia until I moved here. Didn't even visit it. Most I saw was slides. Do you remember the old slides going in the carousel? Yeah, that's old. That's all I'd ever seen, or a book. Or met an Australian and heard the accent. Most unlikely person. My family said, you know, out of all the kids in your family, you're the least likely, we thought, that would leave home. This is what happens when you have an encounter with God. You know, I think some people said, hmm, something must have been wrong. He had to leave. Yeah, you know, if you do enough research, there's a criminal record back there and bodies buried under my mother's house and all that kind of... No. It all begins with God having an encounter with you. In Genesis chapter 12, we know that scripture. It was on the video. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is where it all begins. The Lord had said to Abram, stop. You need to realize the context here just for a minute and get the magnitude of this. It has been more than 300 years since God has verbally spoken to anyone on the planet. The flood. He speaks to Noah after the flood and tells him to go and populate. Then God stays silent for 300 years. What happens in those years? Man starts doing the same thing he did before the flood till it all rolls down to the Tower of Babel. 
what are they doing at the Tower of Babel? We're going we're gonna to exalt ourselves. We're going to build this tower so that we'll, this will never happen to us again. We will reach God in our own effort. And I want to tell you, it's like, if I were God, I would have looked down from heaven and said, did you not learn anything from me flooding the earth? Do I have to now send fire or something till you get it? It's like, are you sick? Do you come from Alabama or something? Does it take that long? 300 years, and God's watching all of this. And out of the blue, he visits a man in pagan land, and he talks to him. You know what that says to me? It's not according to our goodness that God moves, but according to his faithfulness. Listen to me. Tells me that God is faithful to his promise to save the world. In spite of all their stupidity, in spite of all the things that went wrong, in spite of this man being the most unlikely person, the Lord speaks to Abraham. And you know, you could look at us and go, this might not, Keith, it might not seem like the most strategic time for God to talk to us about mission. Surely our focus should be at home. We need to consolidate home. Listen, we're going to take care of home. I don't think you cannot take care of home. It's just too innately built in us to look after self. I don't think you have to work hard to take care of home. I think you have to do the opposite to move out of home and take care of others. And I, I believe God is speaking to us about reigniting that passion for mission. And some of you are sitting there and I'm telling you, it's, it's difficult to even in your heart see one little coal alive and alight for what God wants to do here and beyond. It's so much about take care of me, take care of me. Abraham has this encounter. We don't see Abraham knowing God before this or anything, and God just shows up and says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Man, I'm telling you, how genuine is this encounter? You know, if that, I, I know a lot of people, yeah, God, you know, I, I'll think about it as long as it's not Africa. Or don't send me to Russia, please, no. Middle East, Lord have mercy, that's the, that's the crazy place. And we want to negotiate with God when he starts talking. The moment you negotiate with God, guess what's going to happen? Fire. God doesn't negotiate. God just goes, listen. Abraham doesn't negotiate. I tell you, this had to be, he had to have this amazing encounter, this most uh, unlikely candidate. I, I'm telling you, how in the world is he going to leave everything? This, this voice shows up out of nowhere and says, do this. Do what? Leave. Go where? I'll tell you on the way. Right. Okay. The only thing I can put this down to is he had a genuine encounter with God. And he knew it. And I believe, we're going to hear from God today, I believe some of you are going to have an encounter where something in your heart is just going to come alive. Something is going to reignite. Something is going to begin in some that it's never even dawned on you that this is what God has called you to. And all of a sudden, life is going to explode in this place. Verse 2, I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. By the way, in the literal rendering of verse 2, it's not a declaration of you will be, it's a commandment. Be a blessing. I will bless you now, you be a blessing to the peoples of the earth. Exactly what Jesus said to the disciples, wasn't it? You know, freely receive, freely, come on, say it, give. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth 
will be blessed through you. You know, God is still in the business of blessing the nations of the earth. Listen to me, and he wants to do it through us. Hard to get your head around this, but no matter what's going on in your background, no matter how close you are to God, you could be like Abraham, just far away from God. He still wants to bless nations through you. He's a God of blessing. And see, we follow in Abraham's footsteps. Why? Because we're people of faith. You know that. He's called the father of faith, which means he is our father of faith. This is where it all began. And he started this covenant with God, and we are a part of that covenant. And God declares that as a result of your faith and this covenant, the nations will be blessed through you. Now, when he says this to Abraham, he said, there is an ultimate blessing. You know what the ultimate blessing is, don't you? Through the seed of Abraham will come the Messiah, the Savior, the ultimate blessing to every people on earth, Jesus Christ. The Savior of the world was promised to be a blessing for all nations, not one group of people. Now, here's the deal. There's no greater blessing in the world than to have Jesus Christ at the center of everything we do. Everything we do. It is great to go take care of the orphans and to feed the hungry and to give homes to the homeless and, 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 and you know, take care of the poor. But at the center of all of that has to be the gospel of Jesus Christ who gives life and hope and security and future. It's not either or, it is both and with Jesus at the center. This is the promise. And the promise just rolls down through time. Do you understand this? It's not, this is not a one-off thousands of years ago to this Mesopotamian man called Abram, but that promise rolls all the way down, and God didn't let his people forget it. Over the thousands of years, he kept reminding through prophets that his heart beat for nations. Look, here we go. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains, and I shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. Then to him, he's talking about the Son of God, then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages would serve him. He's got this everlasting kingdom. All peoples. Micah chapter 4, verse 2. Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He'll teach us his ways. We'll walk in his paths. Then in Daniel, and Zechariah, I mean, chapter 2, verse 11, Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people. I'm going to dwell in your midst. They're going to know who I am. Nations. And all you've got to do is fast track down to the end of the book, Revelation. And you get to where the prophet John in the book of Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 says, even after all this stuff took place, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Every people group. Every people group. That was the Father's heart and always will be. And that's His plan. Reaching nations. You know, reaching nations just wasn't in the Father's heart. It was in the mind and the life and the will of the Son. It was His priority. You know, reaching people with a message of the kingdom was the number one priority of Jesus. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, raised the dead. You know, one of the saddest things is Lazarus died again. 
You go, why is that the saddest thing? How would you like to be in heaven and get called back to this place? Oh, that's horrible. Who wants to go through that again? You mean I've got to do this again before I finally get here? That's horrible. The 5,000 he fed on the day, they got hungry again. The people he healed most likely got sick again. But one thing remains forever. That kingdom advancing. I've got to get the message of the kingdom to everybody. He said, I must do this. In, in Luke chapter 4, there's an amazing thing that happens. Jesus goes home to Nazareth. He preaches. They reject him. They actually try to kill him. So he goes around the gulf or around the lake a little bit, and he goes to another town. And the Bible says in Luke 4, they started bringing sick people to him. He healed everyone who was sick. Imagine that if all of a sudden we had a healing crusade today. And whoever was doing it, every person, regardless of what sickness they had, bang, they're healed. Getting out of wheelchairs, throwing away crutches, they even roll in a dead person, boom, they raise up and ready to dance or something, you know. And people go, wow, that's awesome. We could start the Keith Edwards ministry at HSPA and we'll get everybody to come. Can I tell you, it's not about one man's ministry performing. And doing miracles. I mean, that's a great thing, but it's not the ultimate thing. And you'll find in Luke 4.42, it says this. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Why? Well, number one, he was probably tired. Number two, he just needed to be with his father. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. My mind goes to the place going, what were you talking to your father about? At that moment. Now you've got to understand. Now this is a part we don't like to talk about a lot. But the humanity of Jesus. The Bible says he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. But without sin. Now you know if it had been me. And everybody brought to me got healed. And everybody demonized. The demons are gone at one word and a command. And the sick are raised. And the dead are raised to life. I know what I'd be battling with. You know what I'd be battling with? And I wonder if Jesus did. Wow. Look at me. I can do this. Come on, bring me your masses. Bring me your sick. Bring me your poor. I'll base myself right here, and all of a sudden, it'll hit national news. Oh, all to the glory of God. But the Keith Edwards ministry is born. And I wonder if Jesus just wasn't making sure as he was praying to the Father. Father, just keep, tell me again. Why did you send me? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Got it? He's just keeping himself clear, keeping focused. And so when they bring all the people to him and they say, you can't go, you got to stay. We've got so many more people who need you. Jesus said, I must. Isn't that interesting? I must. Preach the good news of the kingdom to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. You know, there's a lot of good things we could do and should do. But if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, the one thing we must do is missions. I must get this kingdom out to all the other towns and cities and nations. And that's why we're in this city, in this church, at this time. And that's why the Lord's speaking to us to reignite mission and re-engage our heart in a greater way. It begins with the heart. It doesn't begin with, a, with an offering. It doesn't begin with... Yeah, we'll send somebody. It begins with my heart going, Father, what about me? What about me? What about 
me. Because reaching nations, first and foremost, is an issue of the heart. The Father says, I will. The Son says, I must. What do we say? You should say, we will. We will. Our hearts so move that we engage in worldwide mission, advancing the kingdom in this city and beyond. And that means there's got to be a change. Can't stay the way it is. You go, I'm not significant enough to change it. No, but you could begin a change. Think about that. You could begin a change. I already told you about 95% of the full-time workers are in the Christian world. Well, let's talk about the taboo subject for a minute, money. Talk about money. I think these are American statistics. Um, but it says this, given to any Christian cause around the world, or given to all Christian causes around the world, is $545 billion a year. And you go, wow, that's awesome. Well, that equates to 1.8% of our income. Which is pretty good. Isn't it? Now they go and say this, that's also how much we spend in America on Christmas. And then out of that 1.8% and the $545 billion given to, to Christian ministries, $31 million is given to missions. You go, gosh, that's awesome. Well, that equates to 0.1% of the 1.8%. And that's how much America spends on dieting programs every year. Wow. Oh, this next one's a killer. But the money that actually goes to reaching unreached people out of the 31 billion is 310 million, which is what? 1% of what they give to missions. Now, listen to this. This is how much Americans in 2011 spent on Halloween costumes for their pets. Which equates to this. For every $100,000 that Christians make, they give $1 to the unreached. You go, flipping Americans, can't they get anything right? I'm trying. But my question is this. If not now, when? And if not you, who? We ask this on Thursday night. Because being a blessing to the nations is our heritage. It's not an option, it's our heritage. We follow in the footsteps of our father Abraham. It comes down to the New Testament. We are part of the household of faith. Listen, Galatians, Paul ties the two together. In Galatians 3, he brings up Genesis 12. Galatians 3, 6 says this, In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Watch this. The real children of Abraham are those then who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. Hey guys, you are kids of Abraham also. And God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, here it comes, all nations will be blessed through you. So, all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. We get blessed because of the faith of Abraham that brought Jesus into the world, but we also get commissioned to be a blessing to the world. That's our heritage. It's our birthright. It's our faith to be a blessing to the nations. The church is the carrier of the goodness and the grace of God to the world. And if not us, then who? 
So we've got to kind of make this resolve and say today in our heart of hearts, we will ask for the nations, Psalm 1-8, ask of me and I'll give the nations to you. We will take up this mandate. We will go to all people groups. We will expand to the right and to the left. I'm believing with all my heart there's going to be people called like crazy both here and beyond that over the next year and even today there's going to be people going, I don't understand all this. I don't even know the details and I don't get it, but this I know, I'm going to say me. In 1977, the Lord started speaking to me about leaving home and going to the nations. I was two years old as a Christian. Not two years old, two years old as a Christian. All this stuff was new to me, absolutely new. The whole thing of Christianity was new. But I, I just, I, I was sitting where one of those statistics was given where there's so many full-time Christian workers in America reaching 4% of the world's population. And I'm going, God, that's not right. And it's like God spoke to me automatically and said, what are you going to do? Will you? I said, I will. I'll go. And, and look, I wish I could stand here today and tell you I fully understood all that that meant. I knew the details. I, I wish I could even stand here and tell you that all my motives were pure. They weren't. There, there, I was involved in that. There was, there was me in there. But I can stand here and tell you this, that even with my human flaws, I genuinely responded to the call of God to advance His kingdom. And the promises of God came on that. And that call is going out today. Will you? I, we were talking about it in staff on Wednesday, and Pastor Nate said something. I didn't realize this. What happened to he and Rachel? They were dating. They had just first come to victory. We were at the old building. And I gave a call something like this. What happened? Yeah, I, was, um, I would have been I would have married seven years. So it would have been probably eight years ago. And um, it was Mission Sunday. It was back when we had Mission Sunday, separate division Sunday. Right. And um, I remember you gave a call basically exactly what you just said then. You know, who, who, will, who will I send? Um, and I remember Rachel and I responded together and it was the first time that we had responded together um, to say you know what we don't know uh, all of the pieces of the puzzle but we know God that you have your hand on us to go right. and to take the message of the gospel somewhere and uh, it was powerful right. I was talking to Rach last night she said yeah I remember that right I remember that. so that was the start of the call of God on your world yeah wow um, you know you probably didn't understand all the details either did you you didn't understand, yeah, that's a good thing. I think it scares to death. You know, God's gracious. He gives us, a, as you said, a piece of the puzzle at a time. Yeah, we used to make our plans, but we learned that God only directs one step at a time. Right. It's funny, you know, 1977, I just responded and said, all right, God, wherever, you tell me. And then it just started kind of rolling out. I had no idea where that would be. But all of a sudden, I knew that God was starting to talk to me about Australia out of the blue. And I can't tell you why. I was from Alabama. I didn't even know where Australia was. Um, back then, there was no education from Crocodile Dundee and all that stuff. And, uh, and I, as I told you, I hadn't traveled any further west than Texas at that point. Now, if you look at the map of Australia, that would be like an Aussie saying, I haven't gone any further than Adelaide, but I'm going all the way over to Dubai on mission. And the first time you ever go there is when you land there to live. Well, that's what happened to me, and God started talking, and I, look, remember, I'm two years old as a Christian. So like any person, I told you, there's mixed motives in there. I wanted a sign. 
I wanted to know, God, is this you? Is this just me being me? Or is there something of you in there? Now, I don't advocate this. I don't advocate taking scriptures out of context. Don't do this. Don't do what I did. But I didn't. I was just reading through the book of Jeremiah. Not my favorite book, by the way. I don't like Jeremiah. It's a pretty somber book. But I was reading through Jeremiah of all things, and there was this admonition that came. Now, back in the day, I only had the King James Version. So I'll put it up on the screen in the New King James. Out of the blue, this verse stood out, and it's like Australia. It's like God said, Keith, get up. Go to the wealthy nation that dwells securely, which has neither gates nor bars dwelling alone. Now, that was just a piece of the puzzle for me. It wasn't the whole puzzle. But I'm telling you, when you start responding to the call of God, He starts releasing the promises of God and the moving of God to enact that in your world. That's going to happen today. Yeah. Did you have a scripture or something? Yeah, it's just that. It's interesting, you know, that Isaiah 54. Yeah. You go back to see where that, that starts, is Isaiah 6, where the Lord begins asking, says, whom shall I send as a messenger? Right. Who will go for us? Right. And that's where Isaiah first says, Lord, I'll go send me. Right. And he didn't know the details and he didn't know what it was going to look like and he didn't know whether it was overseas or whether it was, he didn't know anything. But he knew in his heart that, that God was stirring right. him Heart to issues, go. he was willing. Yeah. Are you willing today? Let's stand our feet for a minute. Don't worry about details. Think about an encounter. Are you willing to hear his voice right now? Are you willing to say, God, I'm, here I am. I will. I will. I, I hear your heartbeat of mission. I see the priority in Jesus' life. Father, I want your heartbeat to be my heartbeat. I will. I can't stay still. I can't do nothing. Father, I will. Father, I pray right now, all over this auditorium, genuine encounters with you speaking, just like you did with Abram. You spoke so clearly, and it was simple. And Lord, I pray the breaking down of the walls of excuse. Why me? I'm the most unlikely person. I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. I, like Moses, I can't even speak well. Send my brother. Lord, I pray right now just an encounter with you that goes far beyond any excuse we would use. Because we do know this. Your plan is for the nations. Your heart beats for all people groups. So I pray a release right now of your heart for nations and peoples in this auditorium right now. God, burn that fire within us again in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're willing to do that, you're going to have to switch that part off that most of us do who want all the details and we want to negotiate the details before we respond. Don't do that. Just listen to the voice of your Father right now. Just hear Him saying, Will you? If not you, then who? And I want you to do something just quietly. The team's going to start singing. I want you to, like, like Nate and Rach did that day, I want you to make your way to the front. And I want you to stand here and make a vow to God. God, today, I want this fire in my heart again. I want your heartbeat. 
and just respond to him and let him take care of the rest. Where he says, look, I will, I will, I will bless you. I will take care of you. So you just start making your way to the front right now as the team sings. And respond to him. Make this altar your place. Speak to your word. We pray in every nation. Christ we know. Our hope and salvation. Christ alone. Come on, don't hold back. Spirit of God. Are you willing? Breathe on your church. Don't negotiate right now. Just respond. Speak to your word. Thank you, Jesus. Christ be known. Thank you, Jesus. Christ alone, Spirit of God. Come on, there's still time. Breathe on your church, pour out your presence, speak through your word. We pray in every nation, Christ be known, our hope and salvation, Christ alone. sacred moment with God. It's even kind of difficult to imagine the atmosphere in heaven when Jesus stepped out and left. The Father sent him. It's difficult for parents, you know, to watch their kids respond and go, oh my goodness, that could mean anywhere be like the father today and release them so we'll just wait another minute or two but I just believe there's just a few more who might be wrestling with the details or wrestling with their own unworthiness or their lack of something like skills or abilities it's still time to respond we're just going to pray over all of you respond and ask God just to move on you right now. If there's anybody else that just needs to respond, we're just going to wait for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. Yep. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, you know what you're speaking. You know what you're saying to each one. You know what you're beginning to talk to them about and you're drawing them. God, I pray over everyone. Your word says very clearly that we as your sheep hear your voice and recognize your voice. Every one of these people, God, know how to hear you. I pray, God, for the simplicity of that right now. Lord, circumstances, life, things would rush in to confuse it and clutter it. But I pray right now, just 
wisdom and revelation of the Holy Spirit as you speak to them. You're their counselor. You're their best friend. You're their father. And you know how to talk to them. So I pray right here at this altar as they're talking to you that God pieces of the puzzle will start coming together for them as to when and to where and to who and to how. But God, the most important thing right now, they're catching your heart again for the nations of the world. So Father, let that fire burn in each one right now. Just burn it in our hearts. God, let it be fresh. Let it be new. Let it be powerful. Let it be exciting in Jesus' name. God, we commit as a church that we're going to turn this thing around and we're going to start back up on this again. We're climbing again in this mission. So God, for everyone here and for the church, we say we will. We will. We will. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just let the Spirit settle on you there. You've got a minute or two. See what God says to you. If you want somebody to pray with you about this and just confirm whatever God's doing, stay there. And some of the team will come and pray with you. It's, it's not that somebody's going to immediately pull out a map and go, here, that's where you're meant to go. But they can stand with you for the Father to begin to clarify things. If you want to pray with somebody, just feel free to stay there after we've closed the service. We'll come along and just get alongside of you and pray with you about what God's talking to you about. Come on, let's give Pastor Keith a hand for an incredible message this morning. Fantastic. Yeah, so feel free to stay at the front if you'd like. Uh, but we're going to talk about some more things uh, just quickly before we finish. Uh, tonight there is no Sunday p.m. Uh, on tonight. It is long weekend, so have a have a rest. Enjoy this wet weather, cozy up, put on a movie, something like that. So uh, enjoy the night off tonight. But uh, I'm just going to invite Jamie Faye to come up and just talk about what's coming up at Sunday p.m.s. So, I don't think it's I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah, you, you can grab a seat if, if people are not sure what to do. If, but if you're waiting for ministry at the front, just this would just take a minute. I don't think it's a coincidence that um, Earl shared a passage of scripture right at the beginning of this service about the Samaritan woman when Jesus was ministering to her, the, the woman at the well, and he talked about um, about the water that he brings, the water of the Spirit, where the person who drinks of this will never be thirsty again. You know, just a few verses later in that passage, Jesus says, He says, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Did you know it's, you know, I believe that we, we're in a generation, we're in a time where we need both more than ever before. We need the power of the Spirit and we need the, the truth of His Word. Did you know it's possible to have the truth without the Spirit and ultimately it looks like religion and it's powerless. And it's possible to have a form of spirituality but not be anchored in the truth of His Word and that be a form of deception. But He's called us and He's called a generation to be the generation that minister, that live, that relate, that worship in spirit and in truth. And being a prophetic community is a part, a significant part of our, our call and our vision as a church each year. We have, a, um, we have a time in the year where we focus on this, our Spirit and Truth intensive 
Uh, it's, it's not so much a conference or something that we attend as much as it is an intensive time of cultivating a lifestyle. Last year, we had a, uh, we had a great weekend with uh, Pastor Peter McHugh and the team from Stairway Church. Who was at that? Yeah, it was, it was an amazing weekend. And we're around to that time again this year where we're we are refocusing once again on developing spirit-led people who know, hear, and act upon the voice of the Spirit with confidence uh, in our everyday life. And so it looked like a weekend intensive last year. This year it's going to look a little bit different. It's over a series of four Sunday PMs, four Sunday nights beginning next week, next Sunday night. Now, Craig and Michelle are just off the plane back from, um, back from overseas, and uh, they are going to be ministering through this series um, or through this intensive of Spirit and Truth um, starting next Sunday night. Uh, Paul says in Romans, he says, he, he says, you know, I, he, well, paraphrases, he's saying, I'm, I'm urgently or I can't wait to meet with you so that I can impart something to you. And, um, and you know what, Sunday p.m. over the next um, four, there, there are four nights, but there'll be a break during the school holidays, so it'll be two consecutive nights, a break and two more. Uh, it's not so much about information as it is about impartation. I'll tell you what, more is caught than taught when it comes to being led by the Spirit. And Craig and Michelle are carrying something really significant, the journey that they have been on over the last number of years. It's something that I, I need. It's something that we all need. And so I encourage you to be there and get along to that. So when does it start? Next Sunday night. Where is it? Ministry Center. All right, we'll see you there. Thanks, Awesome. Earl. Thanks, Jamie. Didn't you do a brilliant job of hosting today? <laughs> hey? Hey, also, just before we go as well, make sure you're seeing these on your seats. Grab them, take them home, pray over them. Pray what, you know, ask God, what can we do as a family? What can we do as an individual? Pray uh, and just seek God on what to give uh, next week at our, uh, at our Giving Sunday, our family festival. But other than that, have an incredible week, church, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a great day off tomorrow. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.